Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Our precious Father, we are grateful for this wonderful opportunity to come to your presence to celebrate another year of welfare ministry. We thank you for what we are doing in this ministry. You are the one in control. Precious Father, I pray that the word that will come out of my mouth this morning will enrich your people, strengthen them, encourage them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeah, I want to thank uh, the church uh, for last year, like uh, Brother Obi said, you know, you guys really did something good. You raised enough money to feed the uh, 100 people. And like you said, we believe that this year is going to be better. Praise the Lord. And if you remember last year, we talked about uh, families getting together to discuss about uh, giving. We said, let it be an ongoing thing. And the reason we say this is so that our children will know what giving is all about. You know, some people, even some believers, are against paying tight. And this is because they are not used to paying tight. And when you bring up the subject of paying tight, they bring it down. And this is what we use, the church uses to pay, I mean to help the poor, the missionaries, and other people. Praise the Lord. I have an article which I'm going to share before I start my preaching. That has something to do with what we did last year. And I think this will energize you. This will help, especially those of us that are still raising their children, to know how to train their children to manage uh, their finances. To train their children about wise money management. The Jews will use five, five jars. Each jar is carefully labeled and has an opening at the top. The jar is akin to what in modern times we call a piggy bank or simply a home bank. The jars are labeled. The first, the five jars, the first level, the first jar is labeled tight. Another giving and offering. That's the second jar. The third jar is labeled saving. And the fourth jar is labeled investing. And the fifth jar is labeled spending. It says, every time a child is given 10 shekels, that's Israeli currency, the child is expected to put one shekel in the jar labeled tight, that's 10%. Another shekel in the giving and offering jar. Another shekel in the savings jar. Two shekels in the investing jar. And the last spending jar receives the remaining five shekels. The child is then expected to open the, the giving jar only on Sundays, while the tight jar is opened on month ends. The seventh jar is opened only on special occasions, like when the family faces sicknesses, while the investing jar is opened only when it is Full. The child takes full charge in deciding when and where to invest the money he or she has accumulated. The parent doesn't intervene. Even when the child is making a mistake, they let them learn from their failures. 
After all, failure is a good teacher. This way, their children learn to become creative in decision-making and most of all, take responsibility for their own decisions. You know, with this type of uh, bringing, upbringing, when a child grows up to know that 10% of his income belongs to God, when he grows up, he doesn't need to tell him about tithe because it has become a lifestyle for him. Praise the Lord. So the theme, like uh, you mentioned, is give to the poor, demonstrate love for Christ. Matthew 25, 40, TPT. I'm going to start with a question. And the question is this. How do you react when you see a poor beggar? How do you feel when a beggar approaches you for help? Does your perception of them influence your response to them? Or do you see it as an opportunity to honor God? Do you pity them? Or do you have compassion on them? These are questions we should ask ourselves. Why? Because the way we interact with them can say a lot about our heart. The way we respond to poverty says a lot about our hearts. Ephesians 5.1 says we should imitate Christ. Right? So let us see how Jesus uh, sees, sees them or how he saw them, the poor. Let's look at Matthew 14, 13 to 14. It says, on hearing, on hearing this, if you go back a little bit, it's talking about, uh, you know, when, when John the Baptist was beheaded and his disciples came to Christ and told Christ about the sad news. So that's uh, on hearing this. So when Christ heard the news, on hearing this, Jesus slipped away. He slipped away privately by boat to be alone. You can imagine, you know, his state of mind. So he slipped away. He wanted to be alone. He didn't want any disturbance. But when the crowds discovered he had sailed away, they emerged from all the nearby towns and followed him on foot. 14. So when Jesus landed, he had a huge crowd waiting for him. Can you imagine this? He had a full crowd waiting for him. Remember, he wanted to be alone. But now, more crowd, bigger than what he saw before he, he left. Seeing so many people his heart was deeply moved with compassion towards them. So he healed all the sick who were in the crowd. Despite the fact that the interrupter interrupted their, what he wanted to do, to do, to, do uh, to stay by himself, probably to meditate or whatever. But he, he, he went ahead and healed every one of them because of, he had compassion. Matthew 20, 30 to 34, TPT. And there were two blind men sitting on the roadside. When they heard that it was Jesus passing by, they shouted, Son of David, show us mercy, Lord. 31. Those in the crowd scolded them and told them to be quiet. But the blind man shouted even louder, Jesus, son of David, show us mercy, Lord. So Jesus stopped and heard them brought to him. He asked them, what do you want me to do for you? 
And they said, Lord, we want to see. Heal us. Again, 34. Jesus was deeply moved with compassion towards them. So he touched their eyes and instantly they could see. So the reason I brought this, like Ephesians 5, 1, let me read it. 5, 1 says, be imitators of God in everything, in everything you do. So we have to imitate God in everything we are doing. Whether helping the poor, in our marriage, in our everything we do, you say, imitate. In other words, let the word of God be what propels us. Praise the Lord. So be imitators of God in everything you do. For then you will represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters. It's, it's when, when we do all these things, they will now a representative of God as children of God, imitating him. Praise the Lord. So what is compassion? Compassion is when another person's suffering becomes your suffering. When another person's suffering becomes your suffering. Jesus did not pity them, but rather he had compassion for them. Many of us will see the poor and show pity on them rather than show compassion. Pity acknowledges the problems. When you pity someone, you're acknowledging the problem that person has without solution. You see a poor beggar, you know that he wants money to buy food. You just pity him without giving him money. But if you have compassion, you will pity him and give him money to buy food. Compassion is when another person's suffering becomes your suffering. A good example of it is the story of the Good Samaritan. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? The, the, the Levi and the priest came and saw the man that was wounded, and they had pity on him and left him. But the Good Samaritan came and saw him and picked him up, put him on his horse, took him to where they would hear him, and even paid. That's compassion. And that's what Christianity is all about. But we are asked to take care of one another. It's taking care of that person, knowing fully well that that person is comfortable, if you are in the position to do that. Praise the Lord. Compassion sees a need and reacts to fulfill it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about our theme that says, uh, give to the poor, demonstrate love for Christ. I'm going to read uh, Matthew 25, 33 to 40. The sheep he will put on his right side and the goats on his left. Then the king will turn to those on the right and say, you have a special place in my father's heart. Come and experience the full inheritance of the kingdom realm that has been destined for you from before the foundation of the, of the world. For when, you were, for when you saw me hungry, you fed me. When you found me thirsty, you gave me drink. When I had no place to stay, you invited me in. And when I was poorly clothed, you covered me. When I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. Then the godly will answer. This is where I'm consigned. The godly is some translation of the righteous, which is, that's what we are. 
The godly will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or tasty and gave you food? You know what? When they were doing all those things, they were doing it because it was a part of them. They were doing it because that is what they are known for. Helping the poor, caring for them. They didn't know that what they were doing, they were doing it for Christ. Praise the Lord. So when, they, when did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? When did we see you poorly clothed and cover you? 39. When did we see you sick and tenderly care for you or in prison and visit you? 40. And the king, that's where our team came from. And the king will answer them. says, don't you know when you cared for one of the least of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters. I like that. He called them my true brothers and sisters. You have demonstrated love for me. So you know what? When we give to the poor, we are demonstrating love for Christ. So this passage really illustrates the depth of Jesus' love for the human race. His identification with the least of these is so profound that when we reach out to them with love and enter their pain, it is Jesus himself we are loving and embracing. Praise the Lord. So being close to Jesus means being close to the poor. Proverbs 14, 31 says, you insult your maker when you exploit the powerless. So when we exploit the powerless, we are insulting God. When you are kind to the poor, you honor God. So if you want to honor God, be kind to the poor. If you want to honor God, and God must be honored. So if you want to honor him, this is one of the ways you can honor God, to be kind to the poor. God loves the poor, and he wants his people to provide for them. So the topic today, this brings me to the topic of today, which is helping the poor is loving God. Helping the poor is loving God. I was so surprised that the word love is mentioned 363 times in the Bible. Then the word prayer is mentioned 289 times in the Bible. But the word give and given is mentioned 1,043 in the Bible. So why has God put more emphasis on giving? Because man by nature, man by nature is stingy and selfish. We are naturally selfish and stingy. So giving is sad for us. And this is why you have to burn some people before they pay their tithe. This is why you have to burn some people before they give. So do you know some believers have problems with tithing? And yet they will claim that the blessings of Abraham belongs to them, disregarding the fact that Abraham was the first to tithe. We have in our life compartmentalized our life. We say, God, you have this, my healing. Take care of my healing, take care of my body. Take care of my job, my career, my children, my marriage. But you see my wallet, that's mine. But listen to what God says we should do. Until we all come to realize that God owns everything about us, we find it difficult to give. 
John 3, 16 to 17. That's the scripture we know very well. But I'm going to read it for, you know, from TPT. John 16, John, sorry, John 3, 16. For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge, to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. So there are two important words in that scripture. One is that God is a lover. God loves. And the two, second one is God is a giver. So God gave us his son because he loves us. So the only thing that motivated God to give us his son is love. Because God believed that Jesus will be the only solution to restore mankind. So he gave something very expensive. He gave something very valuable. He gave the most valuable gift heaven possessed. Remember, this is the same Jesus God introduced to the whole world as his only begotten son. And yet, he willingly sacrificed him for us. Matthew 3, 17, Amp says, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased and delighted. God gave us heaven's best as a gift. Isaiah 53, 10, Amp says, Yet the Lord was willing to crush him, causing him to suffer for us. The Lord was willing to crush him, his beloved son, his only begotten son, that he lost so much. But it pleased him, some translation, it pleased him to crush him. Because of what? Because of love. Causing him to suffer. He says, if he would give himself as a guilt offering, an, anoint, an, an atonement for sin, he shall see his spiritual offspring. He shall prolong his days, and the, the will, good pleasure of the Lord, shall succeed and prosper in his son. Amen. You know, when I read this, I, I began to think about uh, Abraham. When God tested Abraham, that was a very strong test for Abraham to sacrifice his only son, the son he lost so much. And the way he put it, he put it in a way that Abraham might have, you know, mixed feeling about sacrificing Isaac. Say, your only son, the one you love, sacrifice him for me. That was love and trust in action. So when Abraham was about to do that, in Genesis 22, 12, ERV, the angels said, don't kill your son or hurt him in any way. Now God said, now I can see that you do respect and obey me. I see that you are ready to kill your son, your only son, for me. So what can't we do for Christ, for the atonement? Just because of the atonement, the atonement alone will make you to love, to show love to everyone, to show love to the, to the poor, to show love to your spouse, the atonement, what Christ did for you, how he suffered because of you, because of me. Praise the Lord. So what motivated God, like I said, to give, to give us his son? It was love. And then what 
will be our motivation to give to the poor, our love. Because Ephesians 5 1 says we should imitate, imitate God. And if God gave us his son because of love, we should also give to the poor because of love. And if we, 1 Corinthians 13, 3 says, if I give everything I have to the poor and even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. That will tell you how powerful love is, the power of love. No matter everything you do in your ministry, in your giving, whatever you do out of love, it will not profit you anything. The person you gave it to might, you know, profit, but yourself, you are not going to gain anything supernatural because you did it out of love. Just like Romans, in the book of Romans says, anything done out of faith is sin. So in this case, you know, was everything we do, whether it is giving to the poor or helping the poor or in relation to our spouses or ministries, if it is not motivated by love, the benefit to us will always be zero. Motive is very important. The reason we don't receive anything when we give is because we are giving with wrong motive. When we give with wrong motive, we can't gain anything from God. Because it is the motive that determines the harvest. It is motive that will determine whether you benefit, whether your benefit is zero or not. Love is the key. You know, just like uh, sowing, the, there's the principle that governs sowing. That same principle governs uh, giving. And number one principle is that when, you know, it is we reap. Is that we reap later than we sow. In other words, we don't sow seed and expect plant to come immediately. It takes a while. It takes watering. It takes, uh, you know, uh, sunshine. So it takes time before whatever you plant will start, you know, germinate. So it is with, with our giving. Whenever we give, we should not expect to reap a return immediately. It takes time and it takes faith and it takes thanksgiving. You know, some people will say, you know, the book of Malachi said when he, when he paid tight, then God opened the windows of heaven and they begin to receive. That's true. But that receive will not come immediately. And let me tell you one thing. When we talk about blessing, blessing of God, it's not only, when, it's not only through money. It can be through your children. Some of us here, our children, went through school. Got scholarship. That's blessing. Those are blessings. You have a good job. That's blessings. It's not only when you have uh, millions in the bank you call blessings. So when God blesses you, you remember that uh, you have a duty to do. We'll come down to it. Number two, we will reap more than we sow. So whenever we sow, the right thing you know, we reap more. When we plant an apple seed, that will yield apple tree. The apple tree will produce apples that have many seeds, and it begins to grow. So also it is in our giving. When we give with the right motive, with love, that's the motive, with love, then we begin to receive blessings and blessings and blessings of God. The apple, sorry, 
Number three, we reap in proportion to what is sown. Second Corinthians 9, 6-7 says, Here is my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant uh, harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. There is a correlation between how much you give and how much blessings you know you receive. Now I'm not saying that uh, our giving is responsible for the manifestation of what grace has made available for us. God has already made his blessings for us. Those things are there, but you need faith and trust in God to withdraw those things. Praise the Lord. Let's look at Second uh, Peter 1, 3 to 4. says, Jesus has the power of, go- of God, and his power has given us everything we need to live a life devoted to God. We have these things because we know him. Jesus chose us by his glory and goodness, through which he also gave us the very great and rich gifts that he promised us. With these gifts, you can share in being like God. And so you will escape the ruin that comes to people in the world because of the evil things they do or they want. So it is our trust and faith in God that will draw the grace, what grace has made available for us. A farmer cannot expect a harvest if he does not sow. And giving is one of the proof that we trust God. Likewise, a Christian, if he don't, if he doesn't give, will not have increase in life. Psalm 126, 5 says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. So what this passage is saying is that there might be a time when it is so difficult for you to, to give or to sow. But God is promising that we will reap in joy. There might be sometimes it happens to me too. You know, you, you have too many bills to pay and the money you have already it's not enough to pay the bills. And you, then I have to pay my tithe. And now that's where Satan comes in to talk you into not to pay your tithe and use that money that God, God understands that you take care of your bill first. But we are, we are told here that there will be a time when it's so difficult to sow. But there will be time for joy to reap. So most of the times, when, it's, when it is hard for us to sow or to give, that's when our faith k- kicks in. That's when our trust kicks in. Now God is watching, knowing fully well that you have all this commitment, and yet you pay their tithe, and yet. You thought of him first. God can never leave all those responsibilities behind. He must make sure that you fulfill all the obligation that you have to, to, you know, to fulfill with that money. Praise the Lord. Psalm 35 says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last 
through the night. But joy comes with the morning. So it might be hard for you, but there's joy coming. Focus on that joy and do what you're supposed to do. Ecclesiastes 11.4, 6. This passage kind of explains why some people don't feel like giving. They have reasons. Some people have reasons not to give, not to help. He says, but there are some things that you cannot be sure of. You must take a chance. He says, you must take a chance. If you wait for the perfect weather, you will never plant your seeds. If you are afraid that every cloud will bring rain, you will never harvest your crops. You don't know where the wind blows, and you don't know how a baby grows in his mother's womb. In the same way, you don't know what God will do, and he makes everything happen. So begin planting early in the morning, and don't stop walking until evening. You don't know what might make you rich. Maybe everything you do will be successful. So don't worry about things happening. Don't worry about things not making you to give, because those things might come. But when you ignore those things and then give, then there'll be joy in the morning. Praise the Lord. So if you focus on what beggars do with their money, the money that you give to them, you will not give. But you see some of them, they even come to you drunk, smelling alcohol, asking you for money. So when you, because of their smelling alcohol, you say you're not giving them. You are losing your blessing. You are losing your blessing. I remember uh, there was a, a, a beggar you know, back home uh, he used to stay at uh, uh, one market at uh, at Oka. Now this guy, this guy, no, this is a true story. Now this guy, each time you come, you see him. You know, he's he he is he's, You know, you you wonder why is he begging? I mean, he can uh, take a hoe and go and cultivate uh, yams for, for people, and some people were criticizing him. And one day, I, I saw him driving a bus. And then people were saying, is, he, is, is this guy not the, the guy that, will be, you know, that has been begging? They say, yeah. That, he, he, you know, he would say, he say, yeah. So all those money you guys are giving me, I've been saving them. So he used the money you know, to buy a bus to help himself. Praise the Lord. So remember, our motive for giving should be love. God is a giver, not a taker, nor a withholder. So if you hold on to what you have, you can never receive what God has for you. Giving expresses faith. Sometimes the greatest expression of faith is to give when you don't have, like I said, when you do this, you are sending a message that you trust God and that he is your source. Because when you begin, believe that God is your source, then you remember this, the story of the, of the, the widow's might in Luke 21, 1-4. says, and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in, in two mites. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these, are, all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had trust and faith and love made her do that. Everything she had 
Remember that she's a widow. She has no children. As far as the, 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 the Bible didn't say she has children, but she's a widow. No husband, no children, nobody to rely on. And yet, he, she gave everything she had to God. And Jesus made this statement because uh, looking at it from, from our own standard or point of view, you will help the rich men that are giving all those uh, money, big money to the church. As a, as a matter of fact, in some churches, you see them sitting in front on a special chairs. They are being welcomed. They are being treated uh, nicely. But Jesus said, no. I don't look at that. It's not what you give that counts. But it's what you have left over after you have given. That's what counts. You will not expect me if, if you know, Bill Gates is here and then you are collecting money then I give $50, $50 and Bill Gates will give uh, $2 million and he start clapping for him. He won't clap for me. That $2 million is nothing to him. It's like uh, $2. It's nothing to him. But, but we, when we see that with our own mind, we begin to say, oh, this man, you know, loves the Lord. You know, see how much he gave? And nobody will talk about me. But Jesus said, no, this woman must be talked about because she gave all. She gave all she had. And this is what she, I mean, God expects us to do. So real prosperity is not based on how much you give, but how much you have left after you have given. Prosperity is measured in proportion to how much you have left. How much you have left. If I give you, and then I have millions in the bank, and then I just give you $100. Does, doesn't mean much. I mean, God will not bless you for that. Because he knows you have more. You could have helped more. You have more. Because God gives us I'm coming to that. Praise the Lord. Second Corinthians 9. Uh-oh. Okay, let's forget about this because I don't have time. So how should we give? Second Corinthians 8, 1 to 5. And now, brothers and sisters, we want to tell you what God's grace has done in the churches of Macedonia. These believers have been tested by great troubles and they are very poor, but their great joy caused them to be very generous in their giving. Remember, they are poor, and they are generous in their giving. I can tell you that they gave as much as they were able, able and even more than they could afford. No one told them to do this. It was their own idea. But they asked us again and again. They begged us to let them share in this service for God's people. And they gave in, in a way that we did not expect. And now this is the reason they did that. They gave themselves to the Lord and to us before they gave their money. When you understand fully what Christ has done for you, when you submit yourself to him, then giving will not be a problem. So these people gave themselves to the Lord and gave themselves to the disciples before they gave their money. So that motivated them to give more. Even in their own poverty, they were very poor, but yet they gave generously. Deuteronomy 15.10 says, give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, that's how we give, not grudgingly, for the Lord, your God, will bless you in everything you do. Matthew 6.24, when you give to those who are poor, don't announce that you are given. Don't be like the hypocrites when they are in the synagogues and on the streets, they blow trumpets before they give so that people will see them. 
They want everyone to praise them. The truth is, that's all the reward they will get. When you give and begin to boast about it, you are getting your reward. From your boasting, you can't get any reward from God. Because you believe that you are the source. But God is the source of our world. And whatever we give, we are giving out of love for what he has done for us. So when you give to the poor, don't let anyone know what you are doing. Your giving should be done in private. Your father can see what is done in private and he will reward you. Colossians 3, 23 to 24 says, put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. So say, put your heart and soul, be committed when you are giving. Knowing full well you are giving to please the Lord. Not the person you are giving, not the receiver. For we know that we will receive a reward an inheritance from the Lord as we serve the Lord Yahweh, the anointed one. 2 Corinthians 9, 7-9 says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. If, 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 they're, if, I, if they're collecting offering and then I'm by your side and you look, you look at how much I'm giving and you, you, know, you ask me to, to borrow you Borrow you ten dollars, so you add to the one, you know, the one, you know, uh, you are putting, and then I give it to you. You don't get a, get blessed for that, because it doesn't come, it didn't come from your from 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 your heart. You did that because you saw me, you saw what I'm giving. So when when you are giving, it is something, it's a private matter between yourself and God, not even the person you are giving it to, because God is the one that will bless you, not the person. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. See, that's one thing with God. He will, he will so much bless you that he will give you more than you, know, you need so that you, you continue to bless others with it. So if God wants to reach someone else, or if he can reach someone else through you, then he will give money to you. Because he knows that when he gives you more, you extend it to somebody else. I remember one, one, that, you know, one old man from, from Newi in those days. You know, when, before he breaks Kolanot, he will pray. And one of his prayers is this. God, if you want to give wealth, please give wealth to people that can give to others. Don't give wealth to people that are stingy because when you give them, they will keep it to themselves. He, you know, he never failed to pray that prayer. So, as the scripture, verse 9, as the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinion. Trust him. Trust him. Let's trust God completely. Not, not, not partially. Not a partial trust. Complete trust. And do not rely on, our own, on your own opinion, on your own understanding. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you. And he will lead you in every decision you make. Then he begins to lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do. 
and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing, refreshment your body and spirit long for. Glorify God with all your wealth, honoring him with your first fruits and every increase that comes to you. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from all uncontainable source of inner joy. If God can get money, like I said, through you so that it will reach somebody in need, then he will give money to you. But if he cannot give money through you to reach someone, then he will not give money to you because God knows that when he gives you money, you will keep it to yourself. Praise the Lord. Let's talk about the benefit of giving. There's some benefit. Second Corinthians 9, 6 to 12. Remember this, the one who plants few seeds will have a small harvest. But the one who plants a lot will have big harvest. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. You should not give it if it makes you unhappy or if you feel forced to, to give. God loves those who are happy to give. And God can give you more blessings than you need and you will always have plenty of everything. You have enough to give to every, work, every good work. As the scriptures say, he gives generously to the poor. His goodness will continue forever. God is the one who gives seed to, to those who plant, and he gives bread for, for food. And God will give you spiritual seeds and make that seed grow. He will produce a great harvest from your goodness. God will make you rich in every way so that you can always give freely. And you are giving through us we make people give thanks to God. You see, most of the money we sent, I don't know, you know, the ones I sent during this Christmas, I mean, they continue to give God. If you, if you listen to them, because my brother, I, said, I always sent through my brother, and then my brother would, keep, you know, put them on the phone. And you see them blessing God, thanking God, thanking God, thanking this church for reaching out for them. So when we bless the poor, they give God thanks. They glorify God. And that's what God wants. Because he doesn't want you to take the glory. God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you'll be a blessing to others. The same way when he blesses us, he wants us to be a blessing to others. Praise the Lord. I'm trying to skip some because I only have six minutes. Okay, 2 Corinthians 9, 13 says, this service is a proof of your faith. And people will praise God because of it. They will praise God that you freely share what you have with them and with all people. They will praise him to see you following the good news about Christ that you openly accepted. They will praise God because you freely share with them and with all people. So when, you, when we give, when you give, you will be answered to someone's, uh, you'll be an answer to someone's prayers. I remember Pastor Money has said several times, you know, how 
um, God will direct someone, you know, to him. And then, you know, and that the exact money the, the person gave him is what, you know, he was expecting. So God has a way of knowing the needs of his children. And he has a way of fulfilling it. And there's nobody else that will fulfill it except you and I. If you read uh, uh, Ted John, Ted John, you know, uh, Ted John verse 5, where John was talking about uh, the missionaries. He says that, that we, the believers, are the people to help them and not the pagans. That they, they can't go to the pagans and begin to ask them for help. But, but it is our responsibility as children of God to help them. Praise the Lord. So when we, when, when we give, God is highly happy with us. And he continues to, to bless us. Like I said, when, you, when God knows that you are a giver, he will give you more so that you have more than you, know, you need to give to others. Second Corinthians 9.14 says, And when they pray, they will wish they could be with you. They will feel this way because of the great grace that God gave you. Proverbs 22, 9 says, Generous people will be blessed because they share their food with the poor. Generous people will be blessed because they share their food with the poor. Psalm 41, 1 says, Those who help the poor succeed will get many blessings. So when you help the poor people succeed in life, clothe them, find a job for them, when you see everywhere Jesus healed or showed compassion, he also preaches. Tell them the good news. So if you have an opportunity to, 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 to bring them you know, with money and then preach the word of God to them, that's, that's, that's a, a blessing for you. Since those who help the poor succeed, we get many blessings. When trouble comes, the Lord will save them. Proverbs 14, 31 says, Whoever takes advantage of the poor insults their maker, but whoever is kind to them honors him. <clears throat> Proverbs 19, 17 says, giving help, to, help, giving help to the poor, sorry, is like loaning Money to the Lord. He will pay you back for your kindness. Imagine, give you know, loaning to, to, to God. And you know how, how he's going to pay you back. And lastly, my last scripture here is Psalm 91, 18. God has plans for the, for the needy. It may seem that those who are poor and needy have been forgotten. You think that they are forgotten. Looking at them, you say, this man, you know, he's not, he ain't going anywhere. But God will not forget them. He will not leave them without hope. Praise the Lord. So let us understand that whatever we do, we do it for God and not for man. And whatever we do, we must do it with love. Anything done out of love, we're not getting blessings for that. Praise the Lord. Our precious Father, we thank you, Lord. You're such an awesome God. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you because, Father, you have reminded us again and again about the poor. It is our responsibility to make sure that they are taken care of. This is our duty. This is what you want us to do. 
And this is a part of good work. Yahweh said in Ephesians 2.10 that you have created us in Christ Jesus to do good work. And as we continue to do this good work, helping the poor, helping the missionaries, Father, we thank you because we know, like, like, like you said, that our reward is within, within us. Thank you, Father. Blessed be the name, Lord, in Jesus' name.